Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Ariel Ford, the author of the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. She is known as the Cupid of Consciousness and the Fairy Godmother of Love, and today we will talk about her new book, Wabi Sabi Love, The Ancient Art of Finding Perfect Love in Imperfect Relationships, which offers groundbreaking shift in perception showing couples how to have a deeper, more loving, and more fulfilling relationship. Ariel has spent the past 25 years living and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She lives in La Jolla, California with her husband and soulmate, Brian Hilliard, and their feline friends. Welcome, Ariel. Oh, thank you. How are you? I'm delightful and uh, delighted to have you with us. Um, you know, I've known you for so many years in the context of marketing and book promotion. How did you come to focus on love? <laughs> it was really quite an accident. Um, I I manifested my husband 15 years ago and promptly forgot about everything that I did because mission accomplished. But along the way, I became the poster child for women over 40 who had never been married, and they would always pull me aside and whisper in my ear and say, you know, how do, how do I get a Brian? And I would share the process with them and then, uh, one day I decided to create a little internet product about it, which I did. It was, it's called the Soulmate Kit. And Harper Collins saw it and asked me to turn it into a book. So that became the Soulmate Secret, and that came out about three years ago and did really, really well. And all of a sudden I got speaking opportunities. So it just was one of these things that evolved on its own. I, I never set out to do it, but now I have thousands and thousands of men and women in 40 countries around the world who have done the soulmate secret manifested love and and it works that's amazing and so appropriate for today valentine's day yeah exactly. listen up people so tell us what is wabi sabi i take it it has nothing to do with hot horseradish no uh-uh. <laughs> wabi sabi is an ancient japanese aesthetic that honors all things old, worn, weathered, imperfect, and impermanent. And it seeks to find beauty and perfection in imperfection. So if you had a large vase with a crooked crack down the middle of it, the Japanese would shine, would put it, first put it on a pedestal, and then they would shine a spotlight on the crack. So the purpose of Wabi Sabi Love is to find the beauty and perfection in your own cracks and those of your mates. Wow, that's a wonderful concept. So what gave you the idea for this book? I had learned about Wabi Sabi 25 years ago when I was doing PR for a lot of different art galleries and reading the art trades on a regular basis. And I had applied it to my own life for a long time. And then after the Soulmate Secret came out, I had married friends who started calling me and saying, well, it's great that you wrote this book for singles, but how do I turn my mate into my soulmate? And I started thinking about what the possible answer for that could be. And I examined, you know, my relationship with Brian and what worked so well for us and realized it was that we had embraced the whole concept of Wabi Sabi with each other. So that was uh, the impetus for the book. Do you believe that being a perfectionist in your relationship is, is a dead end to happiness? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a perfectionist in just about anything, unless you're a surgeon, is probably not a good thing. I mean, we've all been brainwashed by society to seek perfection in ourselves, our mates, our kids, our careers, our bodies. And most of the time, it leaves us, you know, angry, upset, frustrated, disappointed, because perfection, for the most part, is not possible. So... It's really not the way to go. The truth is most people want to be loved for exactly who they are, quirks, warts, and all. And if you're constantly looking for what's wrong and not what's right in your mate, you're not going to have a really happy relationship. In fact, there was a study done by uh, a psychologist at the University of Buffalo, and she has proven that by putting on rose-colored glasses, and idealizing our partner will lead to more happiness and satisfaction in a relationship. Um, she actually calls it the Pygmalion effect. Uh, <laughs> we might want to call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. So as mature adults, we get to choose our thoughts and beliefs. So why not intentionally intend and expect the best out of ourselves and our partners? Well, when you call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, actually you're opening the door for the partner to rise to the challenge, aren't you? Yes, and, and you don't even necessarily need to express it. There was a study done years ago with uh, school teachers. There were three fifth-grade school teachers. The first teacher was given 30 students and told that all of her students had tested above average on the IQ test. The second teacher was given 30 students and told all of her students were tested and they were completely average. And the third teacher was told that all of her students were below average IQ and had learning disabilities. At the end of the year, the teacher number one had straight A students, teacher number two had average students, and teacher number three had all failing students. And at that point, all the teachers were told that 100% of all the students were 100% average but they had performed according to the expectation of the teacher, even though it was never verbally expressed. That is absolutely astonishing, and it, it's something that should be blared in headlines. I mean, our educational system is in such need of the, the, the positive approach of uh, eliciting the best in our kids. Wow. Yeah, actually, this study was done in the 1920s. Really? Now, it's still very valid, and, and the whole point of it is, you know, our expectations, as you know, from the law of attraction, influences what happens to us. The law mm -hmm. of attraction states we draw to us the people, places, and experiences that match our state of being. So if our state of being is my partner loves and respects me and only wants the best for me, you're going to get one result. If, you're, if your expectation is my partner's a jerk and doesn't care about my needs and is always going to disappoint me, you're completely set up to lose. I, I think the other thing in entering a relationship is that we forget that people grow and change. Life is, life is about change. There was a passage in your book that really moved me. I'm going to quote it. 
I learned that relationships are about transformation and renewal. They are about allowing each other the oxygen to breathe, the sunshine to grow, and even the rain to nourish the soil. And I think you could have said soul. Life is change. Why, why do people seem to expect that their partner shouldn't change? You know, I think they're just not thinking about it. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of the problem what happens in relationships is we go in with this fairy tale notion of happily ever after, uh, thinking that, you know, everything's just going to be peachy. I can't tell you how many people say to me, well, I thought I found my soulmate, but then we started arguing. It's like, well, duh. <laughs> so I was like, how come you can go out and spend, you know, $25,000 on a car and you fully know that every week you've got to wash it, put gas in it, change the oil, change the fluids, get maintenance done. You have this expectation that there's upkeep, right? There's mm-hmm. actual time, money, and expense that goes into the maintenance of a car. But when it comes to your most precious relationship, the thing you've dreamed about forever that you say you want more than anything in the world, when suddenly that needs some time and attention, people start to freak out. And I think it's just because they don't know any better or they're just not thinking. Mm -hmm. But what you can do with Wabi Sabi Love is start to give it the the time and energy that it deserves. So if there is something about your mate that's driving you crazy and you've been nagging them forever and you've noticed that it never changes, the thing that needs to change is you. Now, change your story about whatever it is. I'll give you a couple of examples. When Brian and I first got together, he, he was always saying to me, why can't you put your coffee cup in the dishwasher? Why do you leave it in the sink? Why can't you clean up the crumbs on the counter after you make your toast? It would only take a second. How come your stuff's always on the floor or you throw stuff in the trash and you miss and it lies there? And I didn't really have an explanation except it was just a blind spot for me. And finally, when, and I'm a slob, <laughs> and finally one day he said, you know what? I figured out the solution. He said, it's easier for me on every level just to pick up after you. And I said, great, I love that because I'm always wondering why every time you walk into a room, you turn the TV on loud, and then you leave the room. And sometimes I come home, and there are four televisions blasting, and you're not even home. <laughs> so it's just easier for me to get out the remote controls and turn off the TVs. You know, and the story about it is he's made up the story. Ariel's so focused on what she's doing. She's so excited about the project she's creating that she just doesn't notice what a slob she is. And my story <laughs> is Brian's so addicted to national news and knowing what's going on in the world. He so cares about the world that he has to have the TV on all the time. Uh-huh. And this way we make up new stories. It's not a compromise. It's, a, it's a, a co-creative solution to what was once a problem. It's a perceptual shift. Yes. Yeah. And it, I, I, I love what you say about telling a new story, because what is the source of irritation but an old story? And right. it takes no more effort to create a positive, put a positive spin. God knows that's what politicians do all the time. Exactly. It's a new spin. <laughs> well, if you've just joined us, we are discussing Wabi Sabi Love with our guest, Ariel Ford.
Ariel, you um, recommend creating these code words with your partner as a way to have playful reminders when one of you might be just headed in the wrong direction. Give us some examples. Well, um, early on in our, in our relationship, I noticed one day that I was standing in front of Brian with my left hand on my left hip and my right index finger in his face, and I was ragging on him about God knows what, and I, I was appalled at my behavior, and I suddenly stopped myself and I said to him, you know, the next time this happens, and unfortunately I think there'll probably be a next time, could you just sort of kindly, gently say to me, when did Sheila enter the room? Now, Sheila's my mom, and she's great and brilliant and wonderful and all of that, but she's also a bit overbearing. And Brian instantly got it, and he said, okay, and the next time I get too patronizing, you can just say, when did Wayne get here? That's his dad's name. So we very quickly found this lighthearted, fun way to diffuse what was about to become a very ugly situation. So I recommend that people come up with code words for their behavior to stop each other. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. instead of going down the rabbit hole into what's probably the same argument they've had over and over again, find a playful way to put a stop to it. Doesn't that make sense? Oh, totally. Isn't it amazing? the resonance that mothers have in our lives, even yeah. at uh, well, you decades. Well, you know, Hendricks says that our relationships are all about healing our childhood wounds, which is why relationships start off as a dream come true and quickly digress into your worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and your, I think your approach really has traction in how to get us unstuck. It's putting... It's putting grit under the wheels when we're skidding in a rut. Um, I'm getting a lot of emails from people, especially couples, that are reading the book together. Oh. Other, uh, so that they don't have to have the really difficult situations that they've been having or conversations. They're starting to read it together to say, oh, well, because there's so many stories in the book of real people and how they've used Wabi Sabi to to shift their behavior and, and the way they see things. So it's definitely working. That's one of the things I really liked about the book. It is stories of real people. It's situations that you can immediately resonate with. Give us a few more stories, Ariel. They're, they're uh, just so yeah, poignant. One of my favorite is from my friends Jerry and Diane. And Jerry has an addiction. He is addicted to poppy seed bagels. <laughs> Yeah, it's a a very powerful addiction he has. And every morning he gets up and he slices his poppy seed bagel, which, as you can imagine, spreads little black poppy seeds all over Diane's white tile floor. And then he toasts his bagel, he puts his smear of cream cheese on it, and he walks around the house eating it. And Diane gets up a little bit later, and her routine every morning is to get a wet paper towel and get on her hands and knees and wipe up Jerry's black poppy seeds. Well, one morning she had an early morning phone call with a client that didn't go well. So by the time she was on her hands and knees on the kitchen floor, she was in a really cranky mood. And while she was wiping up the seeds, she had this thought, I wonder what it would take to never have to do this again, which was followed by the thought, oh, that would mean Jerry's no longer with me. Jerry's 20 years older than her. And she started to cry, and she got off the floor and ran to Jerry and gave him a big hug and 
told him how much that she loved him. And from that day forward, every time she was cleaning up poppy seeds, she felt this big rush of love for Jerry because it meant she had another day to spend with him. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- there were so many stories in the book that uh, really, really tugged at the heartstrings. Um, I-, I loved that one about the, um, the moving to Italy. Oh, yes. That was about Tim and Susan. And they had been married for 15 years. He was a big-time radio executive, and, and she was a very active soccer mom with a couple of kids. And they had moved to L.A., and her husband had a long commute every day, and she was busy doing all the stuff she did and with the kids. And they really grew apart, and they were constantly fighting and struggling because no matter how much money Tim made, it was never quite enough for the L.A. lifestyle. And the relationship devolved so much that Susan secretly went to see a divorce attorney. And the day after she went to start the divorce, she hadn't even told Tim yet, he came home and said he had to take a group of business associates to Italy for one week. And would she be willing to accompany him to help him out, you know, keep everything organized and the, and the trip together? And, of course, she said yes because she'd never been to Italy. So they went to Italy, and she fell totally in love with it. And on their second-to-last day there, they were in a hotel room in Portofino overlooking the bay. And they both got up really early to have their cappuccino on the balcony. And as they were sitting there, Tim said to her, I could really live here. And she said, yeah, me too. And he goes, no, I'm not being glib. I could really live there. And Susan said, yes, I understand. I could really live here too. And they started exploring the possibility of what if they found a place to live in Italy and they sold everything they had and took the kids out of school and moved to this new country and started over. So they made a plan for the day. They decided that if in that one day they could find an international school for the kids and the right place to live, they would do it. And by the end of that day, they had found the perfect three-bedroom, three-bath apartment with an ocean view, and they found an international school that had two open spots, one for each kid, and they made the decision. And they went home, they sold everything, they moved back to Italy, and because neither of them, none of the kids, none of them spoke Italian, they were suddenly living in a new country with a foreign language, with no TV, no car, none of the usual distractions they had. They had to build a new life together. They had to depend on each other. They had to start having conversations and playing board games and card games and learning a whole new way to communicate. And by the end of six weeks, they'd fallen madly in love with each other again. Mm-hmm. And they started exploring all over Italy with the kids, and the kids loved it. And a year later, they were ready to move back, and they're now in Arizona. They're still happily married. But they, they found that by living in a very wabi-sabi place like, you know, Italy, where everything's old and worn and weathered, and where they had to reinvent themselves completely, they rediscovered, you know, who they were when they first fell in love. What a wonderful lesson for us all. Uh, of course, having lived in England, uh, I guess anywhere in Europe, you do 
appreciate the worn and weathered uh, much, much more than the, the shiny new. There's something crass about the shiny well, new. Go it's like, you know, my, my husband really loves Disneyland, and he loves to take kids there, and it's my worst nightmare. That I'd rather be almost anywhere in the world than Disneyland. <laughs> Part of the reason is, is because it's just so clean. It's just so manicured and so perfect. You know, drop me on any cobblestone street in any European city, at least the western part of Europe, <laughs> and I'll be perfectly happy. But, you know, take me to Disneyland, and I feel like a fish out of water. It's just too sterile. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, you know, great, uh, great example. Um, one of the core principles of Wabi Sabi Love that you describe is developing a generous heart. Can you explain that, please? Yes, and here's, here's what happened. When I was growing up, I was in a home with a father and a brother who watched football 24-7. I actually felt like football was a third sibling, and I could never get any attention. So I had decided, of course, once I was an adult and had my own home, football would never be on the TV. Well, I ended up marrying a jock, so we don't watch football, but Brian loves basketball. You know, he played, he was college, college captain of his team, played pro, comes from a basketball family, and I noticed that, you know, he spent a lot of time watching basketball, time that we weren't together, and I thought, well, if I had a really generous heart, what would I do about this? And I, and I thought, well, I would watch 15 minutes of the game with him. So I told him I was willing to watch 15 minutes. He said, great, let's watch the last 15 minutes. That's where all the action is. And the first time I did it, I was bored to tears. The second time, I noticed that one of the fastest, best players on the team was also the shortest guy on the team. And I thought, oh, I'm going to root for him. And that became my new thing, rooting for the shortest guy on every team. I quickly (laughs) developed a passion for Brian's passion. And I thought, how great, because now I can share something that is such a huge part of his life. Now, he did the same for me. We both love the movies, but different kinds of movies. Brian likes foreign films and documentaries and serious works of art. I'll tell you my favorite films of all time, in the order of them. Legally Blonde, (laughs) Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> the hangover. <laughs> and so, you know, because Brian loves to hear me laugh, he's always willing to go see a, a stupid, funny movie with me. Meet the Fockers, one of my all time favorites. So while he wouldn't choose to see these movies on his own, because he likes to share my passion for stupid, funny movies, he'll go with me. So that's where Wabi Sabi's not a compromise but a co-creative partnership to find things that we love and appreciate and can have a generous heart around. Now, there is one disclaimer about wabi-sabi. Mm-hmm. Wabi-sabi cannot be used to go into denial about abusive, bad, or addictive behavior. That is when you need a professional. Wabi-sabi is for the everyday things that drive you crazy but aren't damaging to your health in any way. Mm-hmm. Very good disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was just thinking of those uh, poppy seed crumbs. <laughs> um, another core principle you talk about is developing the ability to listen and feel into your partner. What do you mean by that? Yeah, because we're, not all of us are great communicators. 
You know, some people really actually have a hard time getting out what it is they want to say. But if you've spent enough time with them, and if you're willing to slow down and just feel into their energy and ask them, is what you're really trying to say this? Or, you know, if they're talking and you're not getting it, don't get, don't get angry with them. Just say to them, well, could you tell me a little bit more? Or what I heard you say is, did I get it all or is there still something more you want to share with me? And really feel into their need to be more self-expressed. You know, for me, it's really easy. I'm, I'm a very clear communicator. I, people don't get left with, I'm not sure what she means. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Brian always tells me that's what he loves best about me. But Brian is not a clear communicator. He's very long-winded, and uh, he, often he'll edit himself, and two weeks later he'll say, you know, I really should have told you at the time, but I had an intuition that that wasn't going to work, which of course drives me crazy. It's like, because I know his intuition's dead on. It's like, why didn't you say something? If you had said something, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I'm starting to learn to ask him, well, you know, what does your intuition say about this? Or, or what more do you want to say? Because we have different communication styles. In fact, Harville Hendricks talks about this a lot. He says most couples, there are, there are two styles. There is the, um, oh, God, I remember. Is the, there's the turtle and the hailstorm. <laughs> now, the turtle doesn't like confrontation and withdraws from confrontation and if they do have to have a confrontation, they want it over with as fast as possible. I'm a turtle. The hailstorm likes to talk about it endlessly, and they want to explore every angle. And just when you think you're done talking about it, 24 hours later, they come back and they want to do another analysis of it. And Brian's a hailstorm. And, and you can imagine the sound of the hailstorm on the shell of the turtle. Oh, my God. And when this first came up, it's like, Let's see, we talked about it, I apologized, he forgave me, why are we talking about this again? And it wasn't until Harville explained this to me on this interview that I did with him that I totally got it. It's like, oh, it's just his style. And now when I know we have a disagreement, which thank God doesn't happen often anymore, I know that it's, it's going to be ongoing. It could last a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his process. And I have to honor that process. So, you know... You just need to figure out if you're a turtle or a hailstorm. And if you're a turtle, I feel for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing about listening, I remember, is from uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's uh, latest book, uh, The Fifth Agreement, mm-hmm. which is um, listen, but be skeptical. Oh, or skeptical, be skeptical, right. but listen. Yeah. Listen deeply. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and then we'll be right back with Ariel Ford talking about wabi-sabi love. Do you review... Reviewers are the cornerstone of New Consciousness Review, and we are always looking for enthusiastic readers to join our team. You get first peek at leading-edge books and build your library in the process. Reviews don't have to be long, just your honest opinion, and you'll be providing an important service to the community. So if you're interested, email us at reviews 
at ncreview.com. We're back. We're discussing Wabi Sabi Love, Ariel Ford's new book. And I want to know, Ariel, will the Wabi Sabi Love approach work even when our relationship is badly damaged or we're on the verge of divorce? Yes, it can. And what it takes at that point, um, there are several stories in the book about it, is a willingness for both parties to enter couples counseling. So if, if you've been betrayed, um, you're most likely going to need to rebuild trust. Mm-hmm. And you need to, you know, be able to, you know, forgive and forget and let go and find beauty in the imperfections. And it's a long, slow process that requires professional help. So it can be done. There's a story of Jay and Julie in the book. Um, they had this fairy tale romance. They were married. They had kids. And then Jay cheated on her in the worst possible way, had this long-term affair in another city, lied about it endlessly. Julie eventually divorced him, even though she still loved him. And she, she knew the guy that she had married was still in there somewhere. She knew what was best for her own, her own well-being and that of the kids was to divorce him. And Jay had this epiphany one day where he realized he had ruined his life. He had pushed away the woman who had always loved him, and he committed to working on himself. And he was already a psychologist, but he put himself into therapy. And then he committed to to Julie to be her best friend and to co-parent the kids and to really make amends for what he had did, what he did. And eventually, they fell back in love, and they are now happily married. They were trained at the Gottman Institute by Dr. John Gottman to work with couples in crisis, and they've now written uh, a book called Survive by Love, which is also the name of their website. So, uh, yes, wabi-sabi can certainly help, and you need wabi-sabi plus counseling. Mm-hmm. So you believe that we must learn to be personally responsible for our own happiness uh that that kind of feeds into this uh wabi-sabi approach um it does seem a bit counterintuitive however um well here's what i i believe we are all responsible for our own happiness and once you learn how to make yourself happy, you can be happy regardless of the situation. You may not always like the situation, but you can find happiness in it. And there's a story I share in the book about Barack and Michelle Obama that really speaks to this. And the way the story goes, and, and I've gotten it verified, is that early on in their marriage, when Barack was a young legislator, he was working out of town. Michelle and the girls were in Chicago. He was away a lot. When he was home, he his head wasn't always there because he was busy working on his political career. And Michelle was very angry and upset with him. Um, she felt like she was fat and out of shape because she had no time to work out. She felt neglected. Uh, Barack was complaining to his grandmother that Michelle was always nagging him and he wasn't sure the marriage was going to make it. And then one morning at 5 in the morning, Michelle and Barack were sound asleep in bed. 
Michelle wakes up, and all she can think about is how much she wants to go to the gym and work out. But she's afraid that, you know, she's the mom. She's got to be there for the girls when they wake up and feed them breakfast and get them to kindergarten. And then she had this thought, you know what, Brock's a big boy. He'll figure out how to feed the girls. I'm going to the gym. And while she was at the gym, she had this wabi-sabi moment. She realized that she had been waiting for Barack to make her happy, but that it was up to her to make herself happy. And when she got home, sure enough, Barack was up, the kids were fed, things were working, and that day she changed their life. She called her mom and she said, you know what, Mom, I'm finally ready to take you up on your offer to help me out with the girls, to do the shopping, to do the driving, to do whatever it is you're willing to do. She got a hold of Barack and she apologized for nagging and all of that and said, here are the two new rules of the house. One, whenever you're in Chicago, you're having dinner with the family. And two, every Sunday's family day. And that was a huge turning point in their relationship. And now, as you can see, things are working out really well for their marriage. We, we always look for... Um solutions outside of ourselves. We're looking for the next quick and easy fix. Um, and this, this is such a fundamental principle of looking inside and realizing that to be happy, it's, it, it really begins with our own um, sense of self. Um, yes, and knowing yourself and knowing what it takes, you know, what is it that you need for your own long-term happiness? which is why it's so important when you are seeking a soulmate to choose wisely. It, but is that a real, I mean, necessarily a wabi-sabi principle? It's almost a Buddhist principle. It's, it's seeking <laughs> inside. Yeah, it probably is more Buddhist than wabi-sabi, but, you know, I always tell people, you know, the, the most important part of a happy relationship is your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you picking somebody who is going to contribute to your long-term happiness, or are you just looking for, you know, a laundry list of physical attributes that might, you know, you'll end up like Kim Kardashian. They'll look good under the altar, but 72 days later, you're going to find out you don't even know who you married. What what I understand from your use of the, the wabi-sabi approach to love is simply that life isn't perfect. And, you know, just recognize that. But recognize that your interpretation is what makes the lack of perfection an annoyance. And you can change your interpretation. You can change your attitude towards it in a second. That's what's so powerful about your, your stories and everything. They show in many different contexts how to go about changing your perception and how a small change can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, and what I want to tell you a quick story about that that really illustrates that point. It's the story of Ed and Deb. And Ed is this big teddy bear of a guy who loves to entertain people, especially kids. He's always got a silly joke ready. And Deb, his wife, is a very much, you know, nose to the grindstone, gets stuff done, has a checklist of her to-do list every day. Well, one day, Ed and Deb were out running errands. They were in the bank, standing in a line, waiting for a teller. And Ed decided to talk to the little girl standing behind him. And he said to her, Hi, what did the baby strawberry say to its mama? 
And the little girl just looks up at him and says, well, I don't know. And Ed says, Mama, I'm in a jam. (laughs) The little girl just cracked up, and all of a sudden Ed noticed that Deb's tugging on him because the teller's been waiting for them to get up to the counter. And Deb's like, you know, annoyed. Oh, Ed, telling his stupid jokes again. Then they go across the street to the farmer's market, and Deb's off looking at vegetables and salad stuff to buy. And she turns around, and there's, there's no Ed behind her, and she backtracks to find him. And there he is sitting on the curb with an eight-year-old little boy who's got a really sour look on his face. And she hears Ed say to the boy, Hey, do you know how a camel hides in the desert? And the kid looks up and says, Nope. Camouflage! <laughs> and with that, the little boy starts laughing, and his mother walks up, so grateful that somebody made her kid smile. And in that instant, Deb saw her husband for the first time. She got that he's not telling these stupid jokes to drive her crazy. He's just committed to putting smiles on people's faces. He just wants to make people happy. And she fell in love with him all over again. And from that day forward, she never resented his silly jokes again. That reminds me of something that Neil Donald Walsh, uh, or I heard from Neil Donald Walsh. He's talking about intimacy, and he breaks it up. He says, intimacy is into me see. It's Mm -hmm. really seeing someone truly for the first time or deeply. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I thought I I named one of my chapters that, but I think my editor actually changed it because they didn't like the into me see, but I love it. Oh, it is. Chapter seven is into me as into me see. (laughs) Well, maybe that's where I heard it. Oh, maybe, whatever. Actually, I think I got it from Jimmy Twyman. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah. He did a movie on, on that topic, so I'm pretty sure that's where I learned it. Oh, well, this whole Ashland crowd. Yes. Ariel, what is one thing that we could do today if we are really annoyed with our partner and need a wabi-sabi solution? Well, the first thing I would say is understand this. Your partner didn't wake up this morning thinking, how can I drive my spouse crazy today? That is not your intention. So, you know, no matter what it looks like, remember they're not intentionally doing this. They just want to be loved for who they are. The second thing would be, it only takes one person to make a difference. So even if your partner isn't open to the conversation of change, by taking personal responsibility, like we were just looking at, you know, for your own happiness, and making some space for your partner to be who they are, and then making up a new story about their behavior, something that's empowering for you, Mm -hmm. you can shift it really quickly, no matter what it is. Come up with a positive story about it, because right now, Just the story you have about it isn't necessarily true. It's just whatever your programming is. I mean, say it's something as simple as, you know, they squeeze the toothpaste from the middle. And every time you see that toothpaste squeeze from the middle, you feel a little negative something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, there's a couple of solutions. The easiest, fastest one is get two tubes of toothpaste. Let them squeeze from the middle from his and you have yours. (laughs) It's a $2.99 fix. Right? That's one thing you could do. You know, if they're leaving the toilet seat up, you know, put a little post-it note on it with the cover down that just says, uh, if you if you can remember to put the toilet seat down so I don't fall in in the middle of the night, 
I promise to give you a 15-minute back rub. And then when they do that, <laughs> praise them endlessly. Tell them how grateful you are that you didn't go swimming in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> praise them for it. So try to use some humor. Try, what you've been doing hasn't been working, so try it my way. You know, you can get the first chapter of the book for free at wabisabilove.com. Just try it a little bit. I promise you this stuff really works. <laughs> Do you think it would work in our day-to-day interactions with other people, you know, in our, our general relationships at work and wherever? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It works everywhere. And, and use it first and foremost on yourself. You know, where are you making yourself wrong? Where are you finding fault with yourself? And what new story could you make up? Like I told you, I'm a slob and, and my food ends up on me and whoever I'm eating with and on my clothes. And my new story about it is that my enthusiastic eating is simply a reflection of my huge appetite for life. You know, it's proof that I just want to go out there and grab life by the tail. So it's great. And yes, it's a little unfortunate that my spaghetti sauce is over all over your white shirt. I'm sorry, I'll clean it for you. But I'm not going to kill myself anymore. I'm not going to make myself wrong anymore over it. Do you have any workshops uh, coming up about this? Yeah, actually, I have a couple. I'm going to be at Kripalu doing the Soulmate Secret Workshop the weekend of April 13th, 14th, 15th. Uh, That's my next three-day workshop at Kripalu. And I'll also be at Omega the first weekend in August. So I've got those two things coming up. And um, if you go to my website, wabisabilove.com, I've got a great blog there. You can sign up for that. You can download the first chapter for free or if you're looking for a free valentine's day gift go to wabisabilove.com forward slash vow i've got the valentine's day amnesty vow up there where you can uh totally clear your spouse of the one thing they've been doing that drives you crazy and give them a gift they never expected Oh, that is terrific. Actually, um, you sent that to me. Can read that. That is so perfect. Oh, okay. Hold Do you on. have it available? I, I can pull it up in just a second. I just have to open my computer. Oh, people, you have to listen to this. I, I, yes. I can't wow. imagine any spouse who wouldn't love to get it. Um, slash vow. Yeah, it's wabisabilove.com forward slash vow, and it says, Dear Blank. I love you. You are my best friend, lover, and partner. As you know, for the past 14 years, I've been judging you and nagging you for always leaving the TVs on loud. I've recently adopted the concept of wabi-sabi love, learning to find beauty and perfection in imperfection. My Valentine's Day gift and vow to you is to grant you amnesty for this. With this wabi-sabi amnesty vow, I choose today to release you from my judgment and to look at this issue differently. My new story is, you're a news junkie because you care about the world. This is, of course, a fill-in-the-blank thing. Mm -hmm. I now vow to do my best to accept you as you are and to seek and find the beauty and perfection in this habit that has bothered me in the past. Please forgive me for all the times I've blamed, shamed, judged, or harassed you about this issue. Thank you for all that you do to make our life wonderful. Love, Ariel. P.S. If I begin to slip up, I realize I'm not perfect either. I give you permission to gently put me back on track by simply saying, where's the wabi-sabi love? 
<laughs> so you can you can go and fill in the blank and email this to your partner, or you can grant uh, you can print it out and put it in a Valentine's Day card. But I promise you, this will be a much appreciated gift. And again, it's at wabisabilove.com forward slash val. Oh, that's great. And, and you know, it's not just for your partner's peace of mind, but when you reframe this, it's like a weight drops off you. The whole tension within the relationship just evaporates. What a wonderful thing you've done with this book, Arielle. I, I, I recommend it to all our readers. Oh, thank you. Anyway, we have been speaking with Ariel Ford about her book, Wabi Sabi Love, and you can connect with her, with her through her website. Now, you have two. You have the wabisabibook.com and wabisabilove.com. What's the difference between the two? At the wabisabibook.com, there's a ton of bonuses that you get when you purchase the book from that site. It includes an hour interview with Harville Hendricks, an hour with John Gray, an hour with Alison Armstrong, guided feelingizations with me uh, to get you through some really hard wabi-sabi shifts if you're stuck. Um, I, we also wrote and created an ebook of the love letters Brian and I have exchanged over 15 years. You can Aww. download this 80-page ebook so there's tons and tons 80 of pages of love letters my yes. goodness yes. that really so, is a soulmate it, it certainly is so the wabi sabi book has all of those goodies on it and wabi sabi love.com has the free downloadable chapter and the blog uh-huh. so you know go to both of them if you'd like I, I would love to get some feedback as well great okay people you hear that um, anyway, next week, our guest is going to be Rabbi Shmuley Boteach, who spent six years writing Kosher Jesus, the real story of Jesus, who was a holy, observant, Pharisaic rabbi who fought Roman paganism and oppression and was nearly killed for it. And it should either enlighten or offend Jews and Christians in equal measure, so don't miss it. Ariel, I want to thank you again for being with us. Oh, thank you. It was really fun. I'll talk to you soon. You bet. And now it's time for our track of the week, selected by Scott Johnson from among members of the Positive Music Association, a growing group of musicians who use music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week, we're featuring Room for Everyone by Up With People, a global education organization that aims to bring the world together through service and music.
was Room for Everyone by the amazing young volunteers of Up With People. You can learn about this organization at www.upwithpeople.org. For more great music or to join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. To discover more fascinating books, films, authors, and events, check out our website at ncreview.com. You can leave comments for us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ncreview. And if you enjoyed our show, I hope you'll tell your friends. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.